now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea, piping hot. So grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Ready for a dramatic opening? <laughs> dramatic <laughs> dramatic reveal. On. Dramatic reveal. Oh Here God. we are. Hello. 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 Good morning. Now, are, you, are you ready for special treat? <laughs> Am ready? I ready for special treat? All right, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get a new I can barely hear you, but I'm ready for a special treat. Yes. All right. Here we are. Let me turn up the volume a little bit. Let's see what the filter is. Hello. Nice. Oh. <laughs> It's a fancy board you got there. Cool. Uh, yeah. You got some hotkeys on there. Sorry. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Very cool. And you My got, let's see. Not quite where it needs to be yet, but it's kind of like I'm trying to. Very colorful, yeah. too. That is awesome. Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, trying oh, to it's get a road. It. It's made by road. Yes. Yeah. How much was that bad boy? Oh, Lord. You don't even want to know. But you know I do want to know. That's why I just asked. I want to get one. We got it. We got to be professional when we're uh, when we're going in Bobo. What's the other? Yeah. What's the other little thingy uh, majig that's next it's to a, it on the right? It's a, it's a stream deck. A what now? Stream deck. Is your I'm microphone on today? Yeah. Yeah. Should be. No. Can you? No, hear it's very quiet. Yeah, it's very. It's, it's like your like the wrong mic is on or something. Okay, hold on. Uh... Oh, now we're gonna see if Sandy can work the board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far as I know, there's only the one mic, but hold on. Um, there you go. Pump it up. Yep. Yep. Pump up the volume. Yep. I also had your volume down on our board. Oh. So. Uh, what? That, you had me down on your board? <laughs> you yeah, I, I can't. I, I'm like, I'm not in the view of, of your pot, but I can see the pot on Sandy's mm. TV. I, have, yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm, this is me. I'm like all the way up here. I think you're good now. I think we've, I think I, we've. Figured it out. I have board envy. We, we found the we found the issue. It was user error. <laughs> it does sound weird though. Still. I know. I've been I've been programming stuff and yeah. learning things. And it is a little. It is a little. Uh, sounds weird. Uh, break a bass. What is it? Tinny. It's tinny. Bassy. I was brassy. Not, yeah. Tinny, not, yeah. Not bassy at all. Just, not bassy. I was trying to say brassy. Tinny. Yeah, that's the word. Mm -hmm. huh. But well, I've not changed anything. Operator error. Usually, but, when uh, you just plug in a new board maybe there's yeah. a Should you be, just yeah. gotta go through the settings again all right stand by we're gonna go live with your tinny microphone stand by <laughs> big news i have some important news for you interesting news it's blake and darren's spilling the tea with sandy <laughs> K-Man's top news headlines of the day from C <laughs> Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, Blake. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. Oh, there you go. That sounds amazing. That does sound good. Yeah. What happened? You're back. Uh, 
I made one slight adjustment, which apparently makes all the difference in the world. It did. What it was worked. that adjustment? Yeah. So I, changed the mic, I changed the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many of them. I'm like, which one is it again? So yes. Well, yeah, that's the one. I think I think that's the one. That, that is, is yeah, the that one. sounds great. Uh, what do you got for us this morning? Headlines. Okay, so um, the Cayman Islands Fire Service is receiving uh, two additional Striker Aviation fire trucks. Okay, cool. Sounds fancy. Mm -hmm. So um, this, is <laughs> this is adding to their efforts to modernize um, their modernization plan, some new uh, trucks to the fleet. So apparently these trucks come with all sorts of fancy um, extension arms and so on. And uh, basically they've said that this, these particular trucks have a 65 foot extendable boom. That's cool. Whatever that means, <laughs> which allows the uh, big arm. Yeah. No, this is yeah. I don't want to go out. No, this this is important for the aerodrome unit, which, as you know, um, allows a certain caliber of jets, like for example, British uh, the BA flight to come in because the size and so on. So the aerodrome team is going to have the versatility now to attack a fire from every possible angle and penetrate an aircraft's fuselage with intense precision if needed. So well, uh, hats off to the Cayman Islands Fire Service. Lots of stuff going on over there. That's great. Uh, when you when you are penetrating a fuselage, you want to do you want to penetrate with intense precision. That I know. is for sure. Apparently, okay. yeah. Put that fire out. I've watched, um, I've the Calisthenics Park. It, it's kind of kind of frightening to, to know that we so we didn't have that capability before to penetrate. Um, hmm. It seems like we we really were able to penetrate really deeply now. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, right. So, um, a calisthenics part. I'm going to turn off the mics on both your heads. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. So, back to uh, you, guys might, you guys might remember the calisthenics park is, is opening um, today. They're having the a grand opening. The what? Calisthenics. That's one over by uh, some Wild Beach. So, um, yeah. yeah. Is, no. So, like, anyone can go and just like work out? Do jumping jacks? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh! I saw my my five year old do a jumping jack for the first time. Oh um, yeah, I have to, I have to teach him. <laughs> Get it? It was pretty funny. It's anyway. kind of like trying to do the floss for the first time, probably. Like, yeah. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, but the jumping jack was funny. You know that yeah. floss move, that dance move. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, my daughter has that down pat because she watches. Uh, she watches Bluey, so she's got yeah. the floss. Tell me, tell me that you've never tried that. The floss. You know you have. Um, you tried it. I never have. Actually. I've tried the floss. Not good no, I, no, I've tried it. It requires a little bit of coordination. It does, it does require a lot of coordination, much like a jumping jack. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't even tried a jumping jack in a while. So what am I doing? <laughs> Criticizing Me my five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see you do one. Yeah, it's like trying to do a cartwheel or again. Jumping rope. In a bike. You, know, you start jumping some rope and you'll see how, oh, yeah, no, how I coordinated tried you really are. I tried that and got the rope right in my forehead. <laughs> Like, oh, never mind. <laughs> so the calisthenics park is being um, donated by um, a gentleman who uh, really, um, I think he's European, but anyway, he thought it was a great idea to make these access points free to the public. And it's right next to public beach. So you can now go and work out for free. That's cool. And um, yeah, so they're going to do the grand opening today. So we'll be there to check it out. And uh, basically for people who are wondering what that big fancy word even means, um, it's just a form of strength training that really. Um, what is at the park, though? Yeah, like do they have like the they usually have like beans, little bars. Yeah, they're gonna have all. Yeah, they're gonna have all the um, 
couple months ago, we actually saw the plans, but yeah, they're going to have all the bars and everything that you can actually work out with. So the idea behind calisthenics is um, to use minimal equipment. So you're actually using your body weight to, you know, increase strength and fitness and flexibility. Yeah, we used to play on on those well, I should things. Be able as to get a really kid. strong then. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of body weight. Yeah, That's cool. oh I mean, it's, it's it's such a nice thing to to add. I oh, I want a frolf. I'm gonna throw that out there. We need a frolf uh, course sorted out. Frisbee golf, frolfing course. Yeah, okay. throwing that out there. A disc golf course would be so fun. righty. Smith Road Pharmacy is expanding and um opening on um this is this is the this is the um this is the hsa by the way so they are going to be expanding expanding my apologies their location at the smith road medical center effective on thursday the 17th and so now what they're calling the cayman islands hospital campus is going to focus on um outpatient refills and they're going to be uh, processed exclusively at the new Smith Road location. So it looks really nice. They've sent some photos out and they've got expanded services, which they say will reduce wait times and improve the overall patient experience. So, Well, that's wonderful. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And by the way, did you guys know that you can order refills um, by WhatsApp with the HSA? I've been using it for months now. Mm-mm. But that's, that's quite convenient for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, stand, sometimes Absolutely. standing that line can be... Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. you're not feeling well or you need something right away if you just get a so prescription. All you need to do is yeah. send a, a photo of the refill prescription label to 925-6534. And I can tell you it works well because I've been, like I said, using it since uh, COVID lockdown. And I send it in and then they tell me when it's going to be ready and I go and pick it up. It saves me a little bit of time. Okay. That's great. Awesome. So the governor also issued a statement in relation to the um, same-sex privy council decision that came down yesterday morning. You guys mm-hmm. remember we mentioned this. It was hot off the press as we were going on air. Um, so he said that, you know, the ruling has certainly clarified the law and um, what the interpretation of the Bill of Rights, the correct interpretation of the Bill of Rights. And I think it also really affirmed his, his decision uh, which is in relation to domestic partnerships and a, a sort of, well, they were actually quite straightforward with it. It was even in a roundabout way. It's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, they said there had to be an equivalency in law, <clears throat> but in terms of same-sex marriage, they're going to leave that up to the legislator, legislatures to decide whether or not they're going to um, to move forward with that. So we're going to be discussing the decision this morning. A lot of people are confused um, like the average person doesn't really understand what's going on. I've, I got a lot of questions that, that are saying, well, what about all those marriages that people got done? And I'm like, that's not what people are getting done. So we're going to clear it all up. We've got an expert. Uh, Dr. Leo is going to be joining us this morning. Awesome. On topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it should be crystal clear yeah. after that. Yeah. And those uh, are your news headlines for the day. Yeah. Uh, Governor Roper, uh, very uh, forward thinking. He cares a lot about human rights. And- yeah. And uh, I thought his message was right on point. Man of the times. Mm. Yeah, and he did stress that he wanted to encourage everyone to show acceptance, respect, mm-hmm. and tolerance towards others. Yep, exactly. And that's All right, really Sandy. what it's about. Thank you for that. All right, we'll guys, you have tomorrow. a beautiful have a day. You too. too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. We are here in the studio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So we do have a guest joining us. I'm going to just check in. Oh, yes, someone has reminded me not to forget the links. So 
Um, let's play a little bit of music while I get the links ready. folks good morning good morning good morning we sent her whatsapp uh link out to everyone so do not forget folks that if you're part of our whatsapp community news alerts you get all the news stories everything that's happening on the um sometimes you get exclusives too everything that's posted on social media that's posted on the website you get the reminder links in the morning so that you don't forget and big shout out to the person who just reminded me to send out those links sandy don't forget and um, da, 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 da. don't forget, you can call into the show now. We've got our phone number. We're making a lot of tech tweaks uh, behind the scenes. So we have been really, really busy. Um, I was up last night pro- programming the board. This board takes a minute to kind of learn all the fanciness of it all because <laughs> it has a lot of features. And so I have um, been learning it one little step at a time. So as you guys can see from my second, uh, so I'm I'm actually using for my second camera, a webcam. I could use a phone, but then I don't, I wouldn't have a phone to do other things with. So I think the webcam works out better for me and it's just easier too. So um, yeah, so this is kind of what the board looks like behind the scenes, folks. Um, I've got options. Like I could take this board on the road and do like uh, an interview, a podcast interview, or even a video interview, really, and get professional audio out of this because people can like plug in microphones and stuff. So I've got some ideas about taking the show on the road in the future. Listen, 2022 is CMR's year to really, this is going to be our fifth anniversary, and we're not sitting back on our laurels. We are stepping it up every step of the way. So we are on it. Uh, like white on rice. So we've got tons of fancy buttons here. You can't see how colorful these are, but these are really, really colorful. 
Um, and then I can program these. So here's, I did some programming last night. So let me, let me show you guys what I can do with now. Just a touch of a button. Look at this. So I've got a couple things in here that I use. I used to use these a lot. And then um, I had them on, on my stream deck. So I do have them here, uh, like my little uh, my kaboom button. So I've got tons. I've got more than I need to program. So um, I've got tons of space still left on the board. I've got some empty slots there. And uh, yeah, we are getting there. One button at a time, y'all. One button at a time. So um, we have... Bluetooth capability. Uh, let me turn that off because I don't want it to be discoverable. So we can technically even take, um, we can connect our phones by Bluetooth, but we have it hardwired for our purposes. So yeah, so lots of uh, stuff that's happening in the background. Really, this move was important, folks, as we get ready for our radio premiere because audio is extremely important for radio. Um, so we wanted to step it up a little bit. And then uh, we've got a couple other tidbits that we're going to be um, launching like on the software side so that, yeah, when we go on radio, it's going to be um, super, super exciting. So good morning, one, and good morning, all. Good morning to Virtus, Marshall, Sonia, Ervalyn, Angelique, Miss Morna, Cecile, John is here, Louis. So spring temperatures are coming. We already uh, sprung forward the clocks. Um, yes, this weekend in the U.S., they changed the time. And, um, of course, we don't have daylight savings time in the Cayman Islands, so nothing for us really changes, except if you travel. If you're traveling into the U.S., when they spring forward, you lose an hour. Is that how it works? I think so. Um, Tanya, good morning to you, my lovely. Diamond Princess is here. Louis had a good chuckle. Marshall says, are these trucks coming for the planned 20-story buildings? Um, you know what, Marshall? We need to revisit that conversation because I'm actually doing some fact-finding and I'm getting some information on that. It turns out that you probably don't even need new trucks for the 20-story buildings because the build, building engineer and technology is so different now. Mm, stay tuned. It's a very interesting tidbit of information that I have discovered. So good morning, um, Sonia. Good morning to Mr. Robert. Olivia's here. Barbara, Felicia, Miss Brenda's got it locked. Um, he said uh, he didn't show any respect for MLAs or the people that came to islands. Who are we referring to? Might want to clarify who he is. Um, good morning, Hero Blair. Good to see you, Lizette. Wee Wee's always here. Thank you, Wee Wee. Richard, Daisy, good morning. We've got Eunice, Sheila, Damaris, uh, Benilda. Hello, good morning. Iva and Kizwiz. Yay, everybody's here. All 166 of you will soon be over 200. All right, so good morning, one, and good morning, all. You know, I was listening this morning while we we're waiting on our guests. We can just do some topical things. So, um, oh, she's referring to the governor. Mm. So um, I was listening 
last night actually to some news on, I think it was NPR about this war in, um, in Ukraine. And you know, it's so incredibly sad uh, what's happening there and so much misinformation particularly in Russia that's in circulation. Um, so we're gonna spend some time talking about that. But one thing I must say that I found particularly, it was like weird, is that apparently the Russian people had been told by, um, you know, they had been told by the Russian government, apparently they believe it, that there is no war. <laughs> I mean, this is so hard to believe that we are in 2022 and that is it is possible for people to still be confused about um what is happening but the russian government apparently does a really good job of fooling the people so listen to this story let me see if i can pull it up my husband always shares these things with me because he um he loves news in a roundabout kind of way. I told you guys before, he doesn't actually listen to CMR, <laughs> funny enough, but um, he he listens to NPR a lot. He loves NPR shows and so do I. I didn't know this when I met him that he was also into NPR, but uh, we love uh, National Public Radio because very, very informative. Now we can't listen to the whole thing, but I want you guys to listen to just a tidbit of this. Um, it is 24 minutes. I'll share the link with you guys. But this is just so interesting about how Russians see the war in Ukraine. And this one story that they're going to tell you struck me as just so unbelievable. But ha have a listen to this. You're you're gonna you're gonna be shocked by this. But have a listen. As a matter of fact, can I um, try something different with the audio? Because I think what I need to do is I need to bring the audio through. So hold on, hold on a second. Now I'm going to do a little learning on the fly. This is important because I think what I should do is bring it directly from the PC and not my microphone. So one second.
From the New York Times, I'm Sabrina Tavernisi. This is The Daily. As Russia steps up its bombing campaign against Ukrainian cities, it's also waging another battle over the truth about the war. My colleague, Valerie Hopkins, on why so many people in Russia are in denial about what is happening, even as it wrecks the lives of their own family members in Ukraine. It's Monday, March 14th. Valerie, you've been reporting on the war in Ukraine since the beginning, and you've been hearing stories again and again of this pretty shocking misinformation campaign coming from Russia. Can you describe what you've been hearing and seeing? You know, I've been talking to a lot of people here in Ukraine, first when I was in Kiev and then on the road, and a lot of them have pretty shocking stories about their relatives in Russia. You know, Ukraine and Russia are really well connected. Millions of Ukrainians have relatives in Russia. Some of them used to live there. But now, as some of Ukraine's cities are being bombed, as millions of people are being forced to flee, people are trying to tell their relatives in Russia what's going on. And they're being met with denial, resistance, and kind of a refusal to believe what their family members, their blood relatives, are telling them. And one person whose story really stuck out to me was this guy, Misha Katsurin. Hey. hey. Oh, hi. Yes. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Misha is 33 years old. He lives with his wife and kids in Kiev and actually owns a really trendy chain of Asian restaurants. Right now, of course, all my restaurants closed. But and like, uh, he said the fourth morning of the war... I realized that the father still didn't call me, like, any time. He woke up and realized that he hadn't heard from his dad at all since the war started. And I thought, maybe he doesn't know what's going on here. His father lives in Russia in a city called Nizhny Novgorod. So I called him because that was strange. There is a war, I'm his son, and he doesn't call me. So he gave his dad a call and told him what was going on. I tried to tell him, how is it going here in Kyiv with my family, that Russia started bombing us, that Russia started the invasion, and that I'm trying to evacuate my children, my wife, my family. Everything is extremely scared, and like that's real work. But he said his father had a really different version of events and didn't really believe him. And he started to interrupt me. No, 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 stop. Everything is like this. And he started to tell me how the things in my country are going on. He said his father basically said, no, no, no. And that he denied what Misha was telling him that he sees with his own eyes. So he told me that, look, everything is going like this. So the Nazis, they took the government, the Nazis, the Ukrainian Nazis, and uh, they are... And anyways, he said, the government there, they're all Nazis. So Valerie, I'm going to stop for a second on this Nazi reference because it keeps coming up. This is an idea that Russian President Vladimir Putin has often repeated, right? But why is he doing that? I mean, it doesn't really make sense. But for Putin, 
It's this weird multi-layered argument. He is trying to piggyback on the proud legacy of the Soviet defeat of the Nazis in World War II. And he also cannot really deal with the fact that Ukraine wants to have a separate country and a separate identity from Russia 30 years after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Right. And Putin sort of sees this Ukrainian rejection of Russia, which has only gotten stronger since Russia invaded Crimea and now gotten even stronger. He sees all of this as nationalism. And that nationalism, he kind of immediately starts to equate with Nazism in order to get support for this invasion. So essentially when he says this, he's trying to paint Ukrainians as crazy nationalists. Yeah. And I mean, he's actually used those words to refer to President Volodymyr Zelensky, who's actually Jewish and also a native Russian speaker. President Putin has referred to him and the people around him as, quote, drug-addled Nazis on Russian TV, even though this is just a completely outlandish, intentional distortion of the truth. So Misha's dad is getting this idea from Putin's messaging, which is carried by Russian television. What else did Misha's dad say that he believes about the war in Ukraine? Well, he certainly doesn't think a full-scale war is actually happening. He told me that Russian soldiers, they're helping people, they give them warm clothes and food. Misha's dad thinks it's essentially a rescue operation conducted by the Russian military. And now they try to save you. They will not hit civilian people. They will hit some military objects and try to save you. And, they... and not only that, he believes that Russian soldiers are liberating Ukrainians from this repressive Nazi government and that the majority of the people want them there. I told him, no, father, look, I'm here right now and I see it with my eyes. So look how it's going on in reality. So it's pretty unbelievable that a father is denying his own son's reality. But how pervasive is this? Is this most Russians' view of the war right now? So we actually have seen some pretty significant street protests in Russia, mostly in large cities since the invasion started, actually more than in Russia's recent history. These people are out in the streets chanting no to war, even though they know that they'll likely be taken away by the police and detained. Okay, so let's pause there because our guests um, are waiting for uh, to join the show. But I thought it was important to kind of share with you guys a little bit of um, the reality of what's happening. It is just so, to me, bizarre. And of course, this is why it's important that we educate ourselves about what's happening elsewhere in the world, that anywhere in the world right now, people could actually believe that um, this isn't a war, first of all, that it's a rescue mission. You have an elderly man who's telling his son that Russia is trying to do Ukraine a favor and trying to save them from some Nazi government. I mean, it is just shocking that this level of propaganda can still exist in 2022. When you think everybody's got a smartphone and people are connected, and but we have to remember, folks, that there are certain countries in the world still where information is extremely controlled. And unfortunately for the people of Russia, you know, they're probably at the top of the list. 
And so um, the average people have been threatened with arrest in 15 years of jail time if they have a dissenting opinion about this operation that is taking place in Ukraine. Uh, they're not trying to rescue the people of Ukraine. Let's make sure that we understand. He's blocked Facebook and social media access, any articles that go against, you know, what his position is. It's just absolutely shocking. He, you know, uh, Vladimir uh, Putin, I'm going to try to pronounce his name right because I'm very much aware that I emphasize it with a U instead of an O uh, in, in terms of how it's pronounced. But, you know, he has this agenda of, of acquisition, of acquiring them at any cost and refuses to see them as a sovereign nation. And, you know, we had an expert on last week. We're going to try to get um, others back on the program to talk about this situation to, and to get a better understanding of it. What I find incredibly amazing is how people in the Cayman Islands want to interject themselves into this debate. And as long as we can say something that's anti-American, we feel like that's the position to take. Well, America has always done this and this and this. Listen, I think that any war, any atrocities, any way that you look at it um, is detrimental to, you know, just people's safety and their well-being and their um, ability to be safe and free of conflict. But you can't keep looking at the past, first of all, to justify current actions. And as you can see, things change. I mean, Russia stopped or helped to stop the Nazis and now look at where they are um, completely on the wrong side of history. So I think that it's always interesting when people try to deflect and say, well, look at what somebody else is doing and look at what they've done in the past, their bad behavior. No country can say that they're perfect and they're without blemish. Listen, the, the entire colonial system, and we're going to get into this discussion a little bit this morning um, in terms of the LGBT community. But the entire colonial system um, has had, you know, atrocities across the board. The UK, Spain, every single country that has had colonies has, uh, for the most part, raped and pillaged those countries for their own well, for their own uh, financial gain, right? But that's also a part of our history that we cannot deny. We must accept. And I think the end goal is to ensure that this type of thing doesn't continue to happen. So even as it relates to what's happening now, this is exactly what Russia is trying to do to the Ukrainian people. Over 2 million people, folks, have been displaced because of this conflict. I mean, that is just shocking and unbelievable. You know, he's bombing, unlike what, in this case, uh, the old man thinks his son is telling him. The old man's like, no, no, it's a war. They're only, well, he doesn't even believe it's a war. He says this is a rescue mission, but they're only going to go after military bases and whatever. That's not what's happening. They're bombing schools, nurseries. Uh, a pregnant woman, her baby died as a result of that bombing the other day at the um, maternity hospital. They're targeting civilians. I mean, this is um, the equivalent of straight up war crimes and there's no other way to describe it. So anyway, we're going to talk about those things a little bit. We do have um, Dr. Leo Raznovich. Now, I hope that I'm pronouncing your name correctly in the studio with us today. Now, um, Leo is a qualified barrister uh, called to the bar in the um, UK in 2010. And he's a practicing barrister actually with his own set of chambers. And he's also admitted to the Buenos Aires bar in 1995. So he's done a lot of transactional work in international commercial arbitration and litigation um, involving corporate matters, contract dis dis 
in the areas of oil and gas um, and so on. And what's really, really most interesting is he's a practicing mediator. Wonderful, actually accredited. And so, of course, Leo has been one of the faces of the um, LGBTQ plus, um, you know, advocacy here in the Cayman Islands. And Leo is here to talk this morning with us about this decision that has come down through the Privy Council. Uh, and it was, you know, a long and hard fight. So let's welcome Leo to the studio. Good morning, Leo. How are you? Good morning, Sandra. I'm very well, thank you. I hope you are as well. And thank you very much for having me in your program. It's a privilege. Yes, thank you so much. Can I ask you a little bit about your your last name is is um, a little different. Where where are you from originally? From the region you were talking about. Just yeah, I was wondering yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my great-grandparents on my father's side uh -huh. uh, were originally from Belarus. Okay. Uh, Jewish family from Belarus, and they have to escape early uh, in the 20th century uh, because of the programs that were affecting that area of the world. Uh, mm -hmm. Jewish were basically expropriated uh, their assets and basically forced to live with hardly anything. So uh, yes. my grandfather was a baby at the time in which the family arrived in uh, Argentina. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that is half of my family, and hence my last name. Interesting. And, you know, um, a lot of um, the Jewish community, I feel like, from Europe actually went to Argentina. I don't know why mm -hmm. Argentina was of particular interest, but I've known this for quite some time because when I was in university, I met um, an Argentinian man. He was... Um, mm -hmm working on, on a commercial project and I was helping him out as a university student. And I was surprised to discover that they were actually Jewish because of course we always think Argentina, everybody's Catholic, but yeah. he's like, no, there's a fairly, I guess, sizable um, Jewish community that at some point generations ago were migrants into places like Argentina. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, very interesting. Well, good morning to you and welcome to the Cold Hard Truth. I think this is your first um, appearance on the program. So we give you a little extra welcome this morning. Thank so we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, court decision, the Privy Council mm -hmm. released their decision yesterday as it relates to um, basically same-sex marriage. And I think they tackled it because there were two sort of cases happening from the air overseas territories. There was Bermuda and then there was the Cayman Islands. And um, was it the same set of judges that would have looked at both uh, decisions? From the it it was the same panel. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. They made the, the point of having both panels seated. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, you have you run the risk of uh, having uh, you know contradictions otherwise. Right. Uh, even then, they have interesting contradictions <laughs> in these two decisions, but. Uh, yeah, they, they made the effort of having the same panel, and, and, and sadly, because of that, they delayed the Bermuda case for almost uh. a year or more before they heard the appeal. So the poor right. people from Bermuda had been waiting and waiting for longer than Chantal and Vicky. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a pretty long road uh, to yesterday's judgment. Yeah, and so we've got a copy of um, both judgments here. This is actually the uh, Bermuda judgment and um, tells you exactly who forms the board as they call themselves. Um, and um, so they heard this one on the 3rd and 4th of February of 2021. Now That's I think the Cayman, 
Yeah, the Cayman case was heard a little bit later in February of 2021, but the same month, essentially. Yeah. And both decisions came um, came down yesterday. So yesterday. let's just give a little bit of a historical journey mm-hmm. as it relates to the Cayman situation, what transpired. Yeah. Because one of the interesting things, I when the decision came out yesterday, of course, we had it up as quickly as we could on our website. But a lot of people were messaging me and they were confused. So the number one question I had was, well, all these people that have gotten married in the Cayman Islands, um, are those marriages now null and void? And I'm like, well, that's not what has been happening. So it seems like people are kind of confused. So let's bring everybody up to speed on where we are and what has been happening in the Cayman Islands in terms of um, civil and domestic partnerships, which are very different. That yeah. you know, so let's let's go Listen, back a couple of years. Just to clarify the question for your audience, nobody got married in the Cayman Islands. Uh, mm-hmm. because uh, although Chantel and Vicky won in first instance, it could have been the first couple that uh, the court of appeal stopped their uh, civil marriage uh, within two hours of the marriage were scheduled to take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was, I mean very cruel from the judiciary to do that but nonetheless they did it and so nobody got married in the cayman islands what happened was that chantel and vicky brought a, a case because after almost a year of uh, negotiating with uh, the government of alden at that time uh-huh. uh, alden basically was prepared to do absolutely nothing Probably he, he, he couldn't do either. He didn't have the political capacity to do it, even if he was sympathetic. Chantel and Vicky had asked Alden that. They wanted a legal framework because she said, she said to Alden, I am a Caymanian. I've been, living, I've been living in exile for two or three years because I cannot live with my family in my home country. I want, we have now adopted a child. Uh, and I want, we want our child to grow up in Caymanian culture. So I want to go back home. And I need to go with my family. Mm-hmm. So I, I need a framework that allows me, Chantel, they, Caymanian, to live with my partner and my daughter in my homeland. Uh, Alden never replied. Uh, the governor of that time, Helen Kilpatrick, did. Uh, but the British, as they normally do, they just basically say it's not our matter. It's a bold issue. It's for the government of uh, to decide what they want to do. We are sympathetic. We support you. That uh, uh, we can do more than that. So after a year of trying to get something being done, uh, Gentle and Vicky decided to start the legal process, which is started by applying for a license to marry. Uh, the only legal framework available in jurisdiction, mm-hmm. and, and and of course uh, the license being denied because the law requires different sex, the marriage law, uh, and then they started the process in court of challenging the constitutionality of the law. Uh, the matter was heard by the chief justice of the jurisdiction, Justice uh, Anthony Smelly. <coughs> And in, in March 2019, uh, Justice Melly issued uh, 
probably one of the most brilliant judgments I have read, and this is not because he sided with Chantal and Vicky. I mean, when we look at the judgment of, of, of Justice Melly, it is a very long judgment. Uh, it's worth reading as an academic piece, even a scholastic piece. He goes mm -hmm. through the, the whole process. It's almost run for 150, 170 pages. Uh, it starts by running through the history of marriage. He explained in his judgment, you know, that marriage ceased to be a religious institution in the British Empire back in the 1700s, when mm -hmm. the Parliament passed the legislation uh, for for marriage. At that point, marriage became a secular institution, a, a, a very very discriminatory institution. Women had almost had no rights; uh, they were objects acquired by husband, even at the secular law. Uh, that uh, that you know, little by little, the institution start to get rid of those inequalities uh, on grounds of gender in some parts of the mm -hmm. world. Here, across the ocean in uh, in in North America, we have the prohibition of interracial marriage. Uh, he's going to eventually go rid of inter the prohibition of interracial marriage, and, uh, and and now at the end of the 20th century, beginning of the new millennium, we are you know advancing. Uh, towards uh, marriage equality, even for people who are of the same sex. Mm -hmm. uh, but that that progress comes in that context, that marriage is not religious anymore, as in, for, for at least uh, a quarter of a millennium. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, during that quarter of a millennium, marriage has little by little opened itself to you know to try to be equal between men and women to to be open to interracial people and now it's opening to same-sex couple naturally it's a natural progression uh, and so in that context you say well uh, it is clear that uh, we need to look into this progress as it happened with the previ the, 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 the the provision of interracial marriage uh, as a matter of human dignity. And so he said, well, well let's, let's look at how this has been dealt with by other courts in the world when they have to discuss this. And he spent another third of his judgment, you know, looking at all the courts in the world, in the region. Uh, he, he mentioned, you know, the American Supreme Court. He mentioned the Canadian cases. He mm -hmm. mentioned the Inter-American Court of Human Rights, which is binding in 21 countries in the region, right? the whole continent is moving to marriage equality and on good grounds, on grounds that human dignity could not justify today the prohibition of access in marriage for a couple of the same sex in the same way that it could not justify uh, 40 years ago the prohibition of marriage for an interracial couple. Uh, so that is the two-thirds of the judgment. He's still not talking about Cayman Islands law. He just basically set the frame of where he's going to now look into the constitution of the Cayman Islands. Mm -hmm. so well, in that frame, I look now at the constitution of the Cayman Islands. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, the constitution of the Cayman Islands have a section that is specifically dealing with marriage, section 14. That section mm -hmm. says that the government shall respect the right of a man and a woman to marry each other. He concludes that, well, in, in plain English, there are two things we can derive from this, three things we can derive from this section. One, this is not a definition of marriage. I mean, and that is correct. 
anyone who reads English knows that the government shall respect the right of X and B to marry is not defining marriage uh, in English, at least in English language. Second, this does not prohibit access to same-sex marriage. But third, and this was important for Chantel and Vicky, this section cannot provide Chantel and Vicky or any same-sex couples with the right to get married. Mm -hmm. So if the marriage were to be found as a matter of human dignity, as a matter of our constitution in Cayman Islands endorsing human dignity, uh, then it has to be derived from all the sections of the constitution. And this is where he says that in his view, section nine uh, of the constitution that you know, requires uh, the government to respect family and private life uh, is a source for to construe the possibility that the right of Chantal and Vicky to marry could be derived. Uh, he makes the point that the government did not provide with any justification why that should not be the case. Uh, and, and, and therefore, he found for Chantal and Vicky and used his powers to modify laws which are unconstitutional to amend the definition of marriage in uh, the uh, marriage law uh, 2008. And, um, so basically, let, let me that's just... That's the beginning of the, of, of the saga, because at that point, yeah. he opened marriage to same-sex couples on those grounds, right? Uh, and, well, that was appeal. The Court of Appeal said to him, uh, Mr. Smelly, sorry, but you got this wrong. That section 14 mm -hmm. defines marriage. The section 14 says, well, you know, the subject and the verb of the section doesn't really matter. What matters is the direct object in that, in that section, that, that little bit that says one man and one woman. The rest, it doesn't matter. And this is important. I'll tell you in a second why. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore, we will focus on that. That's the definition of marriage. And because, you know, this is the special clause that deals with marriage, Marriage cannot be, right to marry cannot be derived from anywhere else in the Constitution. So your decision was wrong on those grounds. And what okay. the Privy Council has done yesterday is basically literally confirm that, that he has, the Privy Council has gone one step further, which is rather scary here, uh, because they have put the Cayman Islands almost with a foot in the door uh, in being a theocratic state, in that they said that that reading of section 14, which of course in English doesn't read like that, but that interpretation mm -hmm. of section 14 has to be justified in that the country is, according to its preamble, a, mm -hmm. a, a God-fearing country uh, with Christian values. Mm -hmm. So basically we are closer today than we were yesterday to an state like Iran or an state like a theocracy, where religious, a particular religion, whichever that is, uh, it is a tool uh, to interpret secular constitutional laws. Uh, this is a very scary uh, moment. And that's regardless of when, whether we agree with same-sex marriage or not. I mean, that's, I mean at, the, at this stage, now that has become very debatable. It opens important questions to the British government here. Did you really pass a constitution that creates a theocratic state in the Caribbean? I mean, is this what the parliament did in 2009? I mean, uh, uh, we've been talking yesterday with MPs in London. Uh, the, mm -hmm. Their joy is on the floor. They just don't understand. Um, so this is basically, in very brief, the, the, the story of, of, of the saga. Hmm. 
So um, essentially, um, folks, if you're just joining us, um, Dr. Leo Raznovich has given us a bit of a historical context on how we got here. Um, it started out with Chantel Day um, making, you know, a personal appeal to um, the former premier of the Cayman Islands, Alden McLaughlin, just sending him correspondence saying, sort of explaining what her situation uh, was and looking for some sort of an option. Of course, as we all know, he completely ignored those communications and uh, did nothing. <laughs> and his choice to do nothing has meant now that there've been, is it three? Yes, three separate um, lawsuits, taking it all the way up to the Privy Council. Start, started with the Grand Court and Justice Smalley, uh, the Chief Justice Smalley making um a decision that was favorable to um, same-sex marriage. And then that was overruled by the Court of Appeal. And then basically the Perfect Council, Council has now affirmed the Court of Appeal decision. And uh, Leo is saying that they've actually gone one step further um, in his opinion here with this decision, basically saying that um, a particular religious uh, sect, which in this country is Christianity, can impact um, civil laws, which... I'm not entirely surprised by, but he had a look at the um, the preamble and, you know, we have it here on the screen, folks, in case you've never taken the opportunity to read your constitution, it's probably a good idea that you at least try to read some of it. And it talks about uh, the people of the Cayman Islands affirm their intention to be, the first thing, a God-fearing country based on traditional Christian values but they go on to say tolerant of other religions and beliefs. Um, so it is a caring community, use human dignity, yes. uh, equality and freedom. I mean, Chief Justice Millie dealt deal with this. I mean, the, yeah. the, let's not say that this has not been discussed uh, by Chief Justice Millie, that, I mean, the, the Privy Council did something else here that had not been mm -hmm. done. Chief Justice Millie said, well, they, but first of all, as a matter of law, uh, the preamble it, it has always been considered non-enforceable part of the constitution mm -hmm. they're just a bunch of principles that one put as a declaration that has no legal impact in 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 in, in the reading of the constitution itself mm -hmm. uh, but and that's what chief justice ismail said because there's very important case law supporting that uh, but uh, secondly chief justice Mellis said well i mean what aspect of the preamble i mean should, i mean to be should have preeminence here even when we were to focus on these principles, which is more important, the, mm -hmm. the God-fearing country or the equality and dignity of human beings? Well, which right. one is more important? I mean, a, from Chief Justice Melly, there was no, there was no, and, and logically so, it, the preamble was irrelevant. And on top of that, the preamble, you know, gives, you know, it, it keeps everyone happy, but doesn't really provide you with, uh, it forces you to choose. Uh, what the Privy Council have done is, without explaining how is that they use the preamble to justify their choice, uh, they they also pick and choose the actual the preamble that actually are in, are relevant for them to justify their judgment without explaining mm -hmm. why human dignity is not important. They didn't even deal with human dignity in in in, in our case, Sandra. And that's why mm -hmm. I asked you to read the Bermuda case, because mm -hmm. uh, it seems that for the British, when the British passed this constitution in London in 2009, they didn't care about human dignity for the Cayman Islands. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. That's also the message of the Privy Council yesterday. In the Bermuda case, they do deal with human dignity. In the in the Bermuda right. case, if you, I, I mean, for whoever had read it, uh, they they actually acknowledge that even in circumstances where there is civil partnership moves, uh, like in Bermuda, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, they accept, they acknowledge, they recognize. That's the word. They recognize that separate but equals the idea that you know well, you have to accept that civil partnership is your relationship is your legal framework you cannot access marriage because that's for exclusively for heterosexual couples they do say and use this word is stigmatizing it is victimizing and it is degrading they say that mm -hmm. uh, they just said the majority in this case they said uh, but the constitution doesn't have uh mm. to 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 avoid this situation to to derive, so, uh, so but they acknowledge that there. so uh, uh -huh. it is interesting uh, how they i mean for the caymanian perspective uh we in the cayman islands don't have human dignity according to the Privy council so, i right. mean they even dealt with that i mean at least chief justice may explain why he preferred human dignity he spent 30 40 pages in his judgment explaining why human dignity was important uh, mm -hmm. as a starting point of his reasoning. Uh, the Privy Council doesn't deal with Can I just ask you between the two decisions, can I see one is 79 pages, so the mm -hmm. uh, Bermuda decision is quite lengthy. The Cayman one is a mere 26 pages. Is there a reason why, is their constitution uh, very different than ours, or could well, there be an explanation as to why um, there seems to be, even just in terms of length of the decision, quite a variance? The, I guess one can say that in the case of the Cayman Islands, as I said, they, the Privy Council hasn't really added any value to the discussion. Uh, if anything, they have added this concept uh, of, of uh, God-fearing country and Christian values uh, as to support a decision. The Court of Appeal had done that. The Privy Council has, has done this. Uh, but hence, they really didn't have so They spent 14 months writing a judgment where there's absolutely nothing. Uh, it, is, it is absolutely rather shocking that they, they haven't come with, with, with anything here that, uh, you know, it helped us to understand how on earth the, the British government would have done this atrocity of allowing for a constitution to have segregation on grounds of secular orientation because this is the outcome of yesterday's case for the cayman islands and also for bermuda but for the cayman islands in particular section 14 is a tool to give segregation on grounds mm -hmm. of sexual orientation uh, just to to explain the the the, the, the your audience about this concept you know there is not a single court in this continent from where we are the americas from canada Mm -hmm. to Argentina, not a single court that have endorsed segregation of people. That is, you don't have the same rights than the rest of the population because of, in this case, sexual orientation. There is not a single judgment on those grounds since 1896. The United States Supreme Court in the famous or infamous case, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, uh, brought about the doctrine of segregation of separate but equals where they said you know that black people have the same rights but cannot have access to the same facilities that white people right uh, mm -hmm. 
and, uh, and, and well, you, you, we all know the disaster, that, that the social disaster that that caused in the United States until uh, it was it started to be undone by the court itself with Brown versus Board of Education in, in, in 1954. Uh, so the Privy Council has basically rewind as a matter of principle the laws of the Cayman Islands back to 1896 instead of using race as the ground for segregating people it has now uh, enshrined segregation on grounds of sexual orientation uh, for uh, the LGBTI community in, in the Cayman Islands and that is the first time since 1896 that a court of law in this continent dares to do something like that. It's unprecedented. It, it, it would be impossible in the 21 countries that are under mm -hmm. the European and the Inter-American Convention. Uh, it, it would be absolutely impossible in the United States. It was done, but since 1984, that's no longer possible because the court immediately, after almost 50 years, revoked that. Uh, well, Canada can be done uh, in uh, then you're left with the English-speaking countries in the region. And I guess uh, you will ask me, is this surprising to you? Is it surprising that British judges sitting in London who probably have never put a foot on the island are prepared to create this situation of segregation? I mean, uh, is this something that they do without noticing? Mm -hmm. And let me give you, I mean, the Privy Council remains the final court of appeal for eight countries in, in the region. Uh, right. Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, I don't have the list here, but eight former British colonies which have been independent mm -hmm. since 1960s uh, has kept the Privy Council uh, as the final court of appeal. In 2004, uh, the Privy Council said in a judgment uh, for Barbados, Guyana, and Jamaica that the colonial laws that were passed during the time of the empire cannot be touched by the judiciary of the new independent nations. And Lord Hoffman, for the majority in voice, said, it does not matter, and I'm quoting here, how inhumane or degrading those laws are, the judiciary of Barbados, Trinidad and Tobago, and Jamaica cannot touch them. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to digest that a judge in 2004 uh, would actually dare to say that, let alone to write that. How it doesn't matter how inhumane or degrading the laws, the colonial laws are, you cannot touch them. And that is basically keeping the colonial scaffolding in, in the now independent nations in perpetuity, forever. You can't do anything, the judiciary can't do anything to stop the atrocities caused by many colonial laws still in the statute book. It's difficult to digest. But that's the situation. Mm. And, and but no surprising, Barbero and Guyana renounced to the Privy Council. And they, since 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they are now under the umbrella of the Caribbean Court of Justice, mm -hmm. whose judges are Caribbean. 
are homegrown judges. And in 2018, the Caribbean Court of Justice reversed this decision for Barbados and Guyana. Uh, it, it called it an affront to human dignity, in Congress with the idea, the concept of supremacy of the Constitution, mm -hmm. in Congress with the idea of independence of the judiciary. So Barbados and Guyana now finally got rid of this at, at, at barbaric decision of 2000. Mm -hmm. But still, that decision is binding in the rest of the eight countries in the Caribbean. So that is that surprised me that now the Privy Council has brought about the doctrine of segregating people, as the American did with you know colored people back in 1896. Uh, no, it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it, it is clearly a part of the British mentality, uh, particularly the mentality of those of the establishment. Uh, you know, and and I think you know we know what they've done when they are were in charge uh, in, in in the Caribbean, the atrocities that they caused back then, and and still today, it's judiciary, it's top judges, and I'm an English barrister. I am embarrassed that my top judges, mm -hmm. the jurisdiction in, in which you know has given me the, my practice certificate, uh, are you know, unable to see the harm uh, that they are causing. And, and I would like to talk about Bermuda in particular, because, you know, you can tell me the Cayman Island was a matter of interpretation, a 50-50. You know, Chief Justice Mary said something, the Court of Appeals said something else. But uh, the case of Bermuda is shocking. And I said that er to everyone yesterday who asked me, I'm still shocked at the Bermuda decision. And we can, mm -hmm. I could tell you why, but I mean, I'll just stop here for a second. So let's, um, let's have a look at this dissenting opinion, which you say is um, the correct position in the Bermuda case. Now, there was no dissenting opinion in the Cayman Islands case. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's correct. So um, this particular Lord um, has a dissenting opinion here at uh, paragraph 99, where yeah. he says that he's reached a different conclusion yeah. and would have actually dismissed the appeal on the basis of the second issue, which concerns the effect of section eight of their constitution. Now, what does section eight yeah. of the Bermuda constitution, obviously the constitutions are not the same, so there's different sections. Yeah, no, so I, I think, uh, before going into the technicality, I think we need to look into the case as a whole to, for the audience to make sense rather than to get lost in the technicality of yeah. the sections of the Constitution. And I think we need to look at the, the saga in Bermuda as completely different from the one in the, in the Cayman Islands. Mm -hmm. In Bermuda, every single judge that sits down, mm -hmm. or sat down, sorry, and, and look into this matter. Twice the chief justice of the jurisdiction, homegrown judge, uh, a unanimous court of appeal of homegrown judges. They all conclude the same. What did they say? Our legal system, our common law, our constitution given to us by the British parliament back in 1960s, provide us with the element to conclude what the Chief Justice merely concluded, that we have evolved as a matter of law to embrace marriage equality. And 
that is, I mean, I guess you would agree with me that we all believe in self-governance, right? Uh, although we are still part of the United Kingdom, we have devolved powers. Now, you, know, you have devolved powers to legislate, you have devolved powers to administrate through the executive or the premier, you have devolved powers as well, obviously, to determine what your laws mean and how they have to be construed. In this case, the devolved judiciary of Bermuda, unanimously, not a single dissenting judge, came to the conclusion that the constitution of Bermuda has to be construed. The provision of discriminations on grounds of creed, the provision of discriminations on grounds of conscience, has to be construed to open, as a matter of human dignity, marriage to a census couple. That in this time of the world, you no longer can justify that exclusion. What you have is, in this case, four foreign white judges sitting in London telling the whole judiciary of Bermuda, you got it wrong. The constitution the UK Parliament gave you in the 1960s does not give you, doesn't give you any room to expand rights to any minority on those grounds. In fact, nowhere in the Constitution you can derive those rights. You can't do this. That, I mean, that is colonialist of the worst kind. Racist, if you look at who decides what and how. Mm -hmm. Obviously homophobic. But it, it undermines the most basic aspect of the relationship between Bermuda and the United Kingdom, which is self-governance. The Crown from London is telling the judiciary, unanimous decision of the judges in Bermuda, you can provide with rights to LGBTI people. You are all wrong. In a matter of expanding rights. That is shocking because it's destroyed. A, a, a jurisdiction that is trying to mature, right? trying to grow into becoming an independent country. is showing maturity enough for its judiciary to expand rights, human basic rights, to a disfranchised, a stigmatized, uh, deprived section of the community for centuries. And Mother Crown from London tells you can do that. You can give Jewish more rights. You can give Muslims more rights. You can give colored people more rights. This is just only for the this, this select beneficiary of we decide which are the beneficiary. You can decide who are the beneficiary of those rights. It, it is a mind-blowing decision. The Bermuda is because again, as I said, in the case of the Cayman Islands, well, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you, 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 you can this, accept that that section about marriage is special or it is not. Uh, uh, but in the case of Bermuda, it is actually a decision that meant it was a construction of the Constitution, what the Constitution meant, how it has evolved, and the maturity of the judiciary to 
find in that text the elements for more equality and human dignity. Mm-hmm. And the British said, no, you can't do that. Uh, that is undermining the very essence, the very, very essence of devolution of power. Hmm. Okay. All right, let's take a few um, comments from our uh, listeners. So we have um, Jonathan, who says that he hopes that they legalize marijuana first. Um, Okay, good morning to Dawn. Miranda says, any MP that allows this nonsense will be voted out of power. So choose whom you serve today, angels or demons, your your voters or the um, LGBTQ community. Uh, amen, talking, finish. Okay. Flashpoint says, you lost me when you started comparing the Cayman Islands to Iran. While I don't like the decision of the Privy Council, the ruling seems to be correct from a legal and constitutional perspective. Um, Miranda then, goes on. T- yes. I just, just to, to clarify that point. Uh, the reason why I compare with Iran is simply because Iran is a theocratic state where religious determine the meaning of secular laws. Uh, the Privy Council has actually used religion here to justify uh, the interpretation it is doing of the Constitution. Uh, we can agree or disagree as to whether it is the right construction. I am happy w- with that. And I'm sure that many religious folks are going to be very happy with that construction. Uh, I, 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 as, but what I, I think we all have to agree is that uh, to bring into the table of a secular state religion as a ground for justification, it is a very dangerous, very dangerous path that has now been opened. Uh, and, and, and that I hope that people understand, regardless of the view on same-sex marriage, that uh, it, it is a path that we shouldn't be doing and that the Privy Council has opened yesterday. Uh, Venice is wondering if we could hear from someone else who views the law on the same level to explain we need to have balance, not just the side of one person. So um, I guess that would be someone from maybe the government side, and I doubt that they're going to engage the public, so I'm not really sure, Venice. Uh, There's an open invitation to anyone who wants to put forward their position. Good morning to Peter. Um, Jonathan's position is um, just go back from where you come from and live by your laws. So this concept of laws being, um, I think this is kind of an overarching um, position here, is that the laws of a given country should be um, formulated and dictated by its legislative assembly and not, you know, not by anyone else. Um, obviously, this legislative assembly was incapable of, of making any laws as it relates to um, same-sex marriages or even um, domestic partnerships. It took the governor stepping in to uh, advance it to the domestic partnership position. Why, why isn't that enough? Why, why are domestic partnerships? Because there'll be people who will sit back and say, um, why are domestic partnerships not enough? Yeah, well, two, two things here. I think one of the comments is uh, I, I wasn't the one fighting for marriage equality. Uh, yeah. It was a Caymanian person who is probably right. the same rights, I would have hoped, that the gentleman basically made a comment go home. She is at mm-hmm. home. She wants to be at home and she wants to brought up her daughter at home. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the point that Carol that. makes here as well. So uh, let's, let's not confuse things here. Mm -hmm. As regard why uh, civil partnership is not enough as a matter of equality, mm -hmm. uh, because it's segregation. The Privy Council in paragraph 89, you could put it uh, on the screen in the Bermuda case, spell it out very clearly. It's stigmatizing, victimizing, degrading. Uh, they, they acknowledge that. Uh, so uh, just I use the Privy Council decision in Bermuda to explain why having the same rights but different names uh, is, is not enough as a matter of... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Bless you. Thank as you. A, as, a, as a matter of equality. Um, the, there is no justification, particularly when we talk about secular law, right? Uh -huh. Because there is this impression sometimes, I think some people are confused about that uh, if we allow for marriage equality, you know, churches will be obliged to, you know, perform service. And that is far from being truthful. I mean, it is uh -huh. absolutely incorrect and not right. Uh, the, the, the opening of marriage as a couple is, as the Chief Justice said, is the opening of the secular institution of marriage. Marriage ceased to be a religious only institution in the 1700s. Mm -hmm. even in this jurisdiction. So uh, the, the fact is that uh, we, we're not talking here about the right of religious folks to not do it or to prevent people from using their churches to do it. This is out of discussion and it has been anywhere in the world. What we are actually saying here is that you cannot force us to use the last rule of the cinema because we are color people, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot force us to go into the, we're gonna watch the same movie, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. So you could have say, well, stop complaining about that. You're gonna watch the same movie. What difference does it make to be in the last row on the first row? But it's a symbolism. You are entitled only to the last row because you, you color, the color of your skin is different. And the same mm -hmm. applies to the difference between marriage and civil partnership. You're entitled to a civil partnership, the same rights uh, in this case, uh, but only to that because you are of a particular sexual orientation. You're not entitled to marriage. Mm -hmm. And why marriage is important, I guess, because that's the other question that, that, uh, that uh, people normally ask. But why is what is so important about marriage? Well, I don't know. You tell me because you're the one that don't want me to use it. <laughs> I mean, if it's not important, why does it bother you? Mm -hmm. I mean, if the issue is that marriage is not important or shouldn't be, then why does it bother you? Well, what is actually bothering you? I mean, you will not be forced to have a same-sex marriage. You will not be forced to, uh, to, 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 to give me your church or, or to bless a same-sex uh, marriage. Uh, and you, so what, why is that you're stopping me from using it if you feel that it's not important? I mean, if civil policy is enough. Having said so, if we look at the declaration of the Christian Association, uh, they still say in the declaration yesterday, uh, which I read, uh, that they are against any type of legal framework for census couple. They still say that. Uh, so, I mean, let, let's, let, let's, let's put this clear here. Uh, it's not that we are still uh, in, 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 we have a problem here. And the problem is, um, uh, 
as we tried to say yesterday, I'm going to explain to the governor on, on Wednesday, uh, we cannot leave. Uh, this is responsibility of the United Kingdom now. We cannot live in, in, in a society that has now institutionalized segregation. Uh, it would be unacceptable to have segregation on grounds of race. Uh, it would be unacceptable to have segregation on grounds of religion. And uh, it is unacceptable to have, as we have now since yesterday, institutionalized mm -hmm. segregation on grounds of sexual orientation. I, I, the British cannot allow it to happen in the territories uh, and they will have to do something to resolve the problem that now has been created. Segregation on any grounds is unacceptable in the modern world. Uh, and what we have since yesterday in the Cayman Islands is segregation on grounds of sexual orientation. LGBTI people have been told that they don't have the right to be equal. LGBTI people have been told that they are second class citizen. LGBTI people have been told that they have no access to the institution of marriage in perpetuity, according to the Privy Council decision mm -hmm. yesterday. Uh, All right, so we do have Jared who um, wants to join in the conversation and I see more of your comments also coming in. So Carol says, but she is Caymanian. She's living where she comes from in response to Jonathan. Um, and as uh, Dr. Leo pointed out, um, you know, he's here talking about the decision and some of the legal aspects of it, but he's not the one who was actually um, legally challenging the Caymans law. It was a Caymanian. And Carolina says it is Caymanians that are being impacted by this. Um, Jared? Good morning. Good morning, Ms. Sandy. How are you? Can you hear me loud Good. and clear? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Yes, I was I was very intrigued by the decision that mm -hmm. was made yesterday. Okay. Um, but as a historian, I'll put on that hat first. Um, when when Christopher Columbus came to the New World, he brought religion, and you know, slaves came over from Africa, but religion was brought over to say that whatever, whatever, we all know what Are happened. Are you saying religion there. didn't exist before Christopher Columbus and the New World? No, it did exist, but because of the heavy influence of religion that took place in the Caribbean, it may have brought forth all of that in the Caribbean that we have now, where you see Caribbean nations are very tied to Christianity as that was brought over historically, mm -hmm. and that has come down to present day. If we look at the formulation of Cayman, um, Christians founded schools in Cayman from Jamaica. And so um, is it really that hard to believe that people would have this stance where there's a strong Christian formulation? Because Caymanians, as we do believe, our success is attributed to our Christian principles. In regards to if Christians always act as how God would act, that's up for debate. But I think what was really intriguing was that this situation was about a Caymanian who more or less wanted the rights to be recognized as any other individual who sought marriage, right? Right to family life is what 
is mm -hmm. being discussed. But because the constitution, and we should know that the United Kingdom does not have a constitution. So if if the if the UK is gonna say, okay, well, there's something about Cayman's constitution, one could ask, well, why doesn't the UK have a constitution? What has to be noted is that most of the countries that- But the UK does have a constitution. They just don't have one that's codified in the same way. Exactly. Um, that, that's what I meant, sorry. When we look at countries like America and Canada and the UK, you know, they're operating in what is called post-modernity, right? Um, I'm sure the professor would be familiar with that, but um, there's also what we call modernity. Cayman culturally and historically is still in that phase of what we call modernity, where it still aligns its 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 decisions on its be beliefs, values, and morals, and what is the Cayman Islands or people in the Cayman Islands using to base that off of is, is their Christian principles. Now, there are a lot of theocratic states around the world. I know the Vatican is one. I'm sure the professor knows that. And there are other countries. Well, the, the bottom line is, Ms. Sandy, is that countries that seem to be run by diverse groups of people seem mm -hmm. to be less likely to move towards the um, openness of, of different marriage beliefs. So you, Jamaica was rightly mentioned. Jamaica has not, in my opinion, really backed down from their stance on gay, gay marriage um, per se. Um, I know the continent of Africa, multiple countries in Africa, even go about killing people who do profess that mm -hmm. they're gay. Um, what I'm saying, where, where the Caribbean stands out distinctively different is um, through, we, we, we won't directly be discriminatory towards gay people. We will say side comments, but we won't publicly is is that true but, though, but, Jared? Because I'm not, we saw. I'm not let me, let me just pause. Yeah, Jared, not, let me, go ahead. Let me yeah. pause you. Pause you one second there, because I think there's a couple things that, that are happening here. There's obviously the legal argument, which the Privy Council has now um dealt with, but there is this community discussion, and I'm um, seeing a lot of the comments. And so, when you say that Caribbean people are not directly discriminatory against the LGBT community, we just saw a few months ago. Mm -hmm. that two men here in the Cayman Islands were viciously assaulted with one having his nose broken just because he happens to be a gay man. So do you want to revisit that belief? No, that I, uh, from, from that situation, I'm not seeing that. To be honest, that, that, is a, that situation is really bad. And when you see it escalating to that, it does cause for um, concern. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, I'm a, that's the only situation that I am aware of. No, let me let me remind it, you. But it a is man, not... hold, hold on, Jared. You you might not be aware of it, so I'm going to remind you now that there was actually a banker here in the Cayman Islands who also lost his life. He was murdered uh -huh. because he's a gay man. So uh -huh. I think for for me, when we start to have these conversations, and whether you agree with, um, you know, someone being who they are or not, I think uh -huh. that we also need to be very factual. 
uh, in the things that we say. So when we try to pretend that Cayman is such a loving Christian society and that we don't harm other people, we don't do wrong to other people, I have to remind you that this loving Christian society has at least on one occasion killed a man sim simply because of his sexuality and that there are people out there every day who are spewing hate at this um you know, these people who are part of our Caymanian society and part of our community and people are being assaulted. And I, I couldn't help but wonder when that assault took place the other day, if that is part of this um, Katina-esque, you know, mentality right. where you um, don't have any tolerance, you speak hate against people just because they are gay, lesbian, bisexual or whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't think we should... I understand that you can have a different opinion, but I don't think we should confuse the facts of what is actually happening and what can happen in this community if we encourage a certain um, type of dialogue. And if we if we encourage hate against people, this is where you see people feeling comfortable, like they can assault other people and nobody comes forward and nobody speaks up. You know, I'm, I'm for one very glad that an arrest was made um, in that situation and that hopefully there'll be further arrests made as well. But yeah, people have I, been injured because of their, I, their sexual but, orientation. But what what I was trying to say, I said the Caribbean. Now I'm not saying there aren't factions of people who totally don't fall in line with it. And I'm not saying that I agree with that type of behavior, because quite frankly, I, I don't really agree with that behavior. What I'm saying is that because Cayman is still in the modernity era and the culture really has not changed to develop as how other countries in the UK, Euro, UK, Europe, mm -hmm. Canada, and America. That is why we're seeing this type of attitude. And the reason no politician touched it is because it would have sacked them politically. We know this based on the comments that came to two to five minutes ago. If any politician touched this topic, it would have been a hot potato for them politically because no money was going to vote for them and we, we can't look at it. We may not like how it looks, but but that's the harsh fact. Now, what needs to be asked is why was it so intertwined into the constitution and defined clearly to that extent that it would be that it would state that marriage is between a man and a woman. Th that is that is where I'm coming from. I'm not saying that people shouldn't have a right to love who they want to love. People should. Mm -hmm. But when the constitution which is the, the guiding principle. While it may not be correct with the culture at this point in time, mm -hmm. that has, and that would have had to go to a political, that probably needs to go to a referendum. That is the thing. So- Let me, let me intercept here. I mean, uh, you're saying very important things here, which I think I'll, I'll just only not correct you. I mean, you have your own views and I respect them. Uh, simply to add a couple of things uh, for the audience. So they can see this from a different angle, perhaps, as well, uh, which is that, uh, and again, going back to Chief Justice Bailey's judgment, uh, mm -hmm. the, an aspect that not, not that the Court of Appeal nor the Privy Council have bothered with addressing is that uh, the, the constitutional discussions, uh, there was no LGBT person sitting at the table. And Chief Justice Mehta said this very clearly. How can a compromise bind a group that lives in this jurisdiction when that group was not represented at that table? Uh, and, and, and I think the other aspect 
that one needs to be aware is that the, the constitutional interpretation has to be of what is written. And when the constitution was written and passed in 2009, the only right that you could derive from the European Convention on Human Rights for LGBT people, and this was how the world has moved, was the right not to be criminalized. Mm -hmm. Article 8. There was nothing else. So in that context, I do understand why they were not precise with the language in Section 14. But 10 years later, 20 years later, 50 years later, a judge is sitting to look at whether something can be derived from a particular text. If when it was written, it did not provide with what the party is claiming, then you need to look into tools of constitutional interpretation. Mm. And, and here is where the Privy Council and the Court of Appeal fail badly. Because the basic principles of constitutional interpretation will tell you that you cannot construe by implication, that is, to add words or to take away words for the sake of reaching a particular argument, unless you're, do, you're doing that for the purpose of expanding upon rights. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, exclusion has to be narrowly construed. Another important principle that has been agreed for decades by the Privy Council, exclusionary clauses, clauses that actually deprive people of rights, has to be very narrowly construed, given the minimum there uh, of its power. And all those principles have been thrown through the window by the Court of Appeal and the Privy Council. Don't deal with them. They just said, and, and the section 14 does not, deal, does not provide them, as it is written. Uh, anyone who actually can read English will know that as it is written, that section does not provide with the exclusion of same-sex marriage as a, as a constitutional right within the constitution. It doesn't prevent you to be able to derive that from another section. Uh, either because it's not a definition. There has been an interesting comparison between the, the Article 12 of the European Convention and, and, and Article 40 of the, of the Cayman Constitution uh, by the Privy Council. They claim that Article 14 or Section 14 of the Constitution mm -hmm. is, is more precise. <laughs> Article 12 of the European Convention says the right, uh, marriage the right to marriage is blah. It's a definition. It is actually presenting grammatically as a definition. The government shall respect the right of one man and one woman to marry each other. It's not a definition. It's descriptive. It, it, it's not prescriptive. It's just descriptive of something. It's no more than that. Now, did they fail? Why they fail in putting something more, you know, clear and precise and 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 a definition that would have prevented this discussion. Because under international law in 2009, only LGBT people would benefit under the convention in not to be criminalized. Since that year, this things evolved rapidly. Not just in Europe, because we, we tend to believe that we compare with Europe, 
that in this continent where we are living, in the American continent, the whole, the whole continent has moved on. 21 countries under the Inter-American Convention has to bring same-sex marriage, and they're doing it. They're doing it. Little by little, they are respecting the decision of the Inter-American Court. Mm -hmm. The four countries that have renounced the Privy Council are going to move little by little towards equality. They have North America, Canada, US, they are no part of the convention, the Inter-American Convention. They have full equality for LGBTI people. Cuba is not part of the convention, is about to reform the, the civil code and bring same-sex marriage this year. So the only countries that are left in modernity are those which are under the power of the British. Mm. And the British establishment is not just hindering progress, it's going backwards. The Bermuda decision is going backwards because uh, even if I were to agree with you that the Caribbean is in a state of modernity, you know, the importance of self-governance is that the different branches of governments do what their job is. And the British have somehow gave us this stupid idea that we have the same system that we used to have during the time of the colony, in which the imperial parliament was supreme. Our legislatures uh, here, we're just an appendix of the, our supreme sovereign parliament. But that's a lie. Even in the time of the empire, we have a constitution. And this jurisdiction is still being a colonial territory, has got a constitution. The constitution is supreme. And the constitution creates the premier, creates the parliament, creates the judges, the judiciary, and it gives each of them a particular role in that constitution. So we don't have a supreme parliament. The rights, the rights already, the Bill of Rights restrict the rights of the majority to do what they want. That's mm -hmm. what the Bill of Rights in the Constitution is. It's a restriction on the right of the majority to do what they want in relation to the rights contained therein. Mm. Uh, and so we have a different system. The British carry on telling us about the supremacy of parliament. I mean, I, I was sick and tired in, in Bahamas at a conference of the Commonwealth Lawyers Association. Senior judges talking about supremacy of parliament. And so you get politicians and lawyers going back to their countries. All those countries have a written constitution. All those countries mm -hmm. have a judiciary which has the same level of power than the legislature and the premier or, or whatever they have in their system. Each of them have their own scope of power. Right. In none of them, the parliament is supreme. The only difference is like they don't have a presidential system like the Americans do. That is correct. Right. They have a parliamentary system, but the parliament is not supreme. So, mm. I mean, it's just, it's incredible to see whether by negligence, by ignorance, by not understanding the harm that the British keep causing in the region. Uh, and I mean, these judgments, in, in my view, are again, particularly the Bermuda case. I mean, I, I, I would like to, someone says some here, you know, Bermuda is a different country. No, it is not. We're all over territories. Uh, in the Bermuda case, uh, it, it, it is shocking the, the, the decision for the reasons I, I, I explained. Uh, you have there a judiciary that is trying to bring the country into modernity. Mm -hmm. uh, a local grown judiciary, local judges, similar to what Justice Minister tried to do here. 
I mean, nobody can deny that Justice Miller is a local man. I've been 20 years in the judiciary here. He knows the island better than anyone of us, probably. Uh, I mean, it's just insane the lack of respect for the most important senior judge in the jurisdiction. Uh, and, and, and it's absolutely shocking. It's colonialist, in essence, what they've done in, in, in Bermuda. It has no mm -hmm. explanation. Absolutely no explanation. I, All right, I, Jer Jared, I know you want to talk about some other stuff, but can you wrap up on, on this topic and then we'll bring yes, you back? Yes, um, Professor, uh, thank you for agreeing with me that the Caribbean still operates on the modernity. I know you still refer to Bermuda a lot um, as, a, as your point case. Um, I know while some people may not agree with the decision of the Court of Appeal, um, the judiciary's job is to interpret the law um not to not to legislate it so whilst we may assume that the parliament is not supreme the parliament is the one that creates the policy based on who is elected and if the culture of the people quite frankly have not moved to a level of openness you can see where we will always hit um the concrete wall but you know yeah Thank you. Yeah. Is, so, sorry, sorry, one thing about that, just not to confuse the audience. Of course, Parliament has the exclusive power to legislate according to policies of the elected government. I totally agree with you that they have limits. And that limit, because the British don't, the, the UK Parliament hasn't got any limits. Uh, yeah, but the parliaments in this yeah. Caribbean, that limit is the constitution. And when they cross the red lines, the function of the judge is to tell them you can't do that and strike with the red pen what they have done in breach of the constitution because we are yes. all constitutional systems so be careful how you present because the british always use the, the, the basically the words that you are using without qualifying that the elected government the majority have the right to legislate through their parliament elected democratic parliament but they have limits and that limit is the constitution the british tends to forget that because the, the parliament in the uk is supreme Sovereign, yes. supreme, they have no bounds. Our um, constitution, our, our citizens are constitutional, and, mm -hmm. and our constitution is supreme, and the, the legislator have to respect that right. This is why uh, Brian was so wrong when he voted against, uh, for the reason that he did, uh, the Civil Partnership Act that Alden presented in Parliament. That, that is the essence of his mistake. The constitution under which he was elected for which he swear to respect, he broke. He broke that constitution. Uh, well, and, and that should not be done by any legislator because that's what they actually swear, whether they are elected. They swear for God, but they swear for God to respect the constitution. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. All right, Jared, I'm gonna take some other comments. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Louis says the Bible is clear um, that love is the greatest contribution that one could possess, understanding love opens our minds uh, of the pain that it could cause, but more importantly, the joy that it provides. Legally, the contracts of marriage is the only way to control who is allowed to get married, but it doesn't instill the it doesn't instill that the marriage is based on love itself. Um, DJ Trunkin is wondering if there's not more important topics to talk about. Uh, Aliano says, what is Cayman government stance on the separation of church and state? Marriage is a construct of the church. 
union between people from executive, administrative, or judicial can be held held on no church stance. I'm not quite sure I get that, but Aliano, the historical context of marriage um, actually had nothing to do with religion. If you go far back enough, um, marriage was very much a civil arrangement. Uh, the church had no involvement in marriage. That is, is a more recent uh, development in terms of history. Uh, Jasana says, uh, what I find interesting is that when people apply to be divorced, it has to go through the court system. It's a statement that this marriage contract has ended. You don't go to the religious leaders to perform a divorce. So why is the act of getting married perceived differently? My point is religious belief should not be a part of human rights, regardless of your stance on same-sex marriage. So very interesting point there. Miranda says, no one is saying that you can't be gay or, or get married. All we're saying is that it must not be a law. Okay. No one is stopping them. All laws must be followed. We cannot follow this as a law. But if 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 the legal provision isn't there, isn't that does that mean you're stomping someone? I'm confused by that one. Um, Marshall says Jared needs to be educated when it comes to the LGBTQ community. A lot has been said and a lot has happened right in Cayman. And he goes on to say, if he's talking about the Caribbean, look at how many people have been killed in Jamaica, Trinidad, and other Caribbean islands. Yeah, this concept that um, the Caribbean is, as a whole is tolerant of um, gay people is very flawed because the Caribbean is not. <laughs> I don't know where that comes I mean, from, Jared, I, but um, the Caribbean is not tolerant at all. Yeah, and, um, and we have in Jamaica one of the worst countries in the region in that regard, sadly because of the government more more than anything else, right? The inaction of the government in bringing about different policies. Uh, probably for reasons that are actually highlighted. But the situation in Jamaica is, is terrible. Uh, we, in a research we have conducted mm -hmm. very recently, we also, uh, you know, we're on the verge of seeing things that happen in Jamaica, almost the starting of crimes against humanity in relation to the LGBTI community. They even have a defense in criminal law which is called gay panic defense. So if someone kills me, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> if someone kills me uh, tomorrow, and they claim a defense that I try to advance sexually against that person, I feel so disgusted that basically stopped me. And that's crazy. Get it, could get away in a, in a criminal trial. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Okay. Um, Gabby says, uh, you don't have to like or agree with people's lifestyle, but you must treat others how you wish to be treated, like the Bible says, or should uh, we should just, or should we just go back to the Old Testament and live like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, question mark. Carolina says, all Caymanians lost the right to be protected from discrimination as a constitutional right because of the single-minded obsession to keep gay marriage out. Um, I agree. And that's an interesting point, Carolina. And I think that that's what uh, Dr. Uh, Leo is trying to say when he makes comparisons, for example, to Iraq, um, you know, very specifically to what this decision does is he is arguing that it sets um, the overseas territories back in a way that um, is really shocking, especially, you know, the UK, um, the European Union, the US and other places have all moved forward legally from this position and those countries accept um, gay marriage from a legal perspective. But when you say um, that the Cayman Islands or Bermuda 
can be controlled by its legislators on the basis that we are a Christian community, that that should be very troubling for anyone if they look at the extension of what that principle means beyond just same-sex marriages, um, which is essentially the same thing that Carolina is saying. Gabby says, if you're Caymanian, gay, and want to get married, just go live somewhere else where it's allowed and save yourself the headache. Yes, there's no place like home, but what can you do if your home will not accept you and your choices? It's a big world out there. Why settle for this? So this is a question I guess only a Caymanian can probably answer. I'm Gabby. I mean, certainly Leo can't answer this for Chantel um, or others who find themselves in this situation. But it does make me wonder, and I'm, I'm going to extend this um, just a step further, this sort of logic. Uh, you know, we've been talking about, um, you know, uh, employment, for example, here in the Cayman Islands quite a bit lately. So what if I said the same thing to you, Gabby? Listen to the logic of this, because this has been said to a lot of Caymanians. You can't make it in your own country. You can't find a job here. So why put up with the headache? Why not just go somewhere else? Go to America, go to the UK, go somewhere else where it'll be easier for you to find a job. And the natural response to that is like, what? I'm a Caymanian. If I can't make it in my own country, if I can't have job and professional opportunities in my own country, why should another man's country create those things for me? So I am um, trying to put myself in Vicky's shoes, thinking that she's probably thinking the exact same way. Like, it's easy for you to say, oh, just go somewhere else. But as a Caymanian, we have this saying that this is where my navel string is, is buried, right? Why would you want to go anywhere else? This, this is your country. This is where, you know, you have the most ties. This is where you have family. So you're suggesting to her that she has a child and she should be away from her parents. She should uh, raise her child where, you know, that child can only see grandparents on a Zoom call, you know, can't ever go over to grandma's house, can't frolic on the on the beach, can't live the relatively freer lifestyle for children that we enjoy here in the Cayman Islands. And I don't know that that is, um, I don't know that that's a fair position. And I think you said it best, uh, but in the reverse way, you said, why settle for this? Really, you should be asking yourself when you have to go overseas to try to make it because your own people will not, you know, accept you, that is settling. If you allow me just, to say just, something. Just a thought, I'll, I'll, just a thought, I mean. If you just allow me to say one thing, uh, of course I can't uh, answer the question directly, uh, but I could answer the question as a matter of principle. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reason why people ask this type of question or suggest this type of actions in general in, in countries that have been part of the British Empire or we still are at this jurisdiction is, uh, it has to do with particularly the class system in, in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. There is this uh, sense that, you know, the, the, the country is owned and controlled and governed by the upper class or the aristocratic folks in that country. And the rest mm -hmm. doesn't matter. I mean, transported uh, to other colonies, uh, they, they, they don't agree with the, the upper class. And, and to a certain degree to suggest, well, if you don't fit in, just go somewhere else is a, mm -hmm. is a reverse of how the British have operated within its own world internally in the UK. So it's a reverse of the same core. Uh, I, I do come from a country that you know has a lot of problems, but one of the things that I'm probably proud of Argentina is the sense of equality. 
uh, we are all on, at the same level. Nobody has any entitlement. Not the president, not the person that sweeps the streets uh, in which I walk during the day or at night. Uh, we are all at the same level. Uh, and, um, and so I, in that context of equality, uh, which is the essence of the union and the existence of the nation, uh, I mean, nobody would even dare. And I never heard anyone suggesting, oh, if you don't fit in Argentina, go and live somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is a rather telling uh, and rather sad consequence of, of, of the class system uh, and, and particularly, of course, inherited from, 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 from the British power. So Scott weighs in. Good morning, Scott. Scott says, how long before the international firms that are the pillars of the financial services sector weigh in? They all promote inclusiveness, equality, and act activity. I think it means actively support these initiatives. When investors refuse to domicile funds there, you will feel it. So he's saying that there could be financial repercussions. Um, Flashpoint says CARICOM and the CCJ is nothing to be striving towards. <laughs> Interesting. Louis says a country that doesn't have capital punishment, but we are a Christian community and Christ was crucified as a law. So I don't expect for the understanding of gay marriage to be understood. Hmm. Okay. All right, folks. Um, Leo, thank you so much for joining us today to try to add, um, I guess, some insight into uh, yesterday's decision. You did mention that that is the highest court of the, the land, the highest court of land in terms of appellate um, perspective. So there's no one else to appeal to on this matter. So um, what do you see as the way forward? We'll, we'll have domestic partnerships. That is also being challenged. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently, um, Katina, Katina and her Christian group, I forget what it's called, um, you know, don't it's believe Christian, that, that yeah, some civics, Christian, something, yeah, like which is confusing in and of itself. But um, yeah. she doesn't even believe that uh, domestic partnerships should exist. So she's also mm -hmm. challenging the government's power to have done that. Now, one of the interesting things that I did find in the decision, um, although it did not support um, same-sex marriages, it does say as one of the final things in the Chantel uh, Day decision, all the way down at point number um, 59, where it basically says the board takes this opportunity to uh, reiterate the point that made by the Court of Appeal, that the interpretation to be given to the Bill of Rights as explained in this judgment does not prevent the Legislative Assembly from introducing legislation to recognize same-sex marriage. The effect of the interpretation endorsed by the board is that it is a matter of choice for the legislative assembly rather than a right. But then it said, um, oh, was there, was there a point or was I reading something else where it actually talked about, um, essentially gave some sort of support to domestic partnerships. Did I read that somewhere? Oh, yeah, 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 you did, right. Yeah, yeah they, I think they, it's do, they do, they do, it's, it's much earlier in the judgment. They do say, you know, that 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 is undisputed. There has to be some uh, functional equivalent. Yeah, 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 they completely agree with the court of appeal on on, on that point. I mean, that yeah. was, was not anyway uh, open for discussion, but they yeah. uh, they they do actually I, I agree fully with, with with that point. Yeah, uh, and I, mean, I, I thought that was to, interesting. To put in context, to put in context, Katina's claim is uh, has she gave up on the point that. 
still the Christian Association for Civic, someone put the name there, uh, mm-hmm. is publicly making that they don't want civil partnership. Katina mm-hmm. gave, gave, gave up that point in court. So the only point open for the court is whether the mechanism to bring about the legislation that the Caymanian parliament failed to pass is the reserve powers of the governor or mm-hmm. an order in council. So it's not a, that's the only, that's the only point on debate. Katina's arguments are that the, uh, the governor acted uh, beyond his powers. So ultra-virus. Ultra-virus, as is we say in, in, in the legal jargon, because the, the, the reserve powers provide the governor only with the power in relation to external relations, which mm-hmm. according to Katina's lawyers, it only could mean the signing of international treaties. Uh, it doesn't mean to bring about uh, legislation, uh, law internally, uh, in, in compliance of those international treaties. That, that's their argument, which it is a, a, a non-starter. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, mm-hmm. we need to wait for uh, Justice Williams uh, to, to bring back a, a, a decision on, on, on this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Leo Raznovich. Um, do you thank have any you family, by the way, in Ukraine? Are you being, um, I mean, we're all being no, impacted no. by it, but yeah. you don't have any family. Yeah. No, no, okay, no, very no, good. no more family there in that yes. part of the world. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again um, for coming on the program. Don't be a stranger. Uh, you're always welcome to come in the cohort truth. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And I, and I hope that the audience understand how problematic is the decision, regardless of which side of the debate one is uh, in relation to same-sex marriage. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that that is almost anecdotal in in light of to the of yesterday's decision for the jurisdiction. Uh, right. Minorities are a great risk after yesterday's decision. It's probably one-off, probably, and I hope that mm-hmm. uh, the UK steps in uh, and actually do the right thing for all the mm-hmm. remaining overseas territories in the region. They are, otherwise, they are actually moving the clock backward a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, that is something terrible. Okay. All right, thank you so much, we appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, have a good one. Thank you, bye-bye. All right, folks, um, we do have just a few minutes left in the program. We got to be on time today. Big birthday shout out. Can we do some um, some birthday jingles here? First of all, um, let me just pick a little happy birthday to Melanie Sims. If you know Melanie, we'd like to wish Melanie an extra happy birthday today. Happy birthday, Melanie. Um, she is celebrating probably her sweet, maybe not sweet 16, but Maybe she's as young as 25. I don't know. But Melanie is uh, um, getting up there, chill. So if you see Melanie, she is the, um, what's her official title over there at government? Chief Protocol Officer. Uh, Wish Melanie a happy birthday for us here at CMR. We do um, have our um, birthday jingle. Hold on now. Let me tell you, I was, like I said, I was that busy. I was up last night. All right, Mel, happy birthday to you. Yes. And um, 
We have another young man, uh, Jathan, who is 10 years old today. Today is also his birthday. Very, very good. Awesome stuff. Um, mm -mm. So in case you guys missed the, um, the headlines, uh, China seems to be having a problem uh, with COVID. This is, you know, sort of breaking news yesterday. As they continue to try to acquire this zero COVID policy, it clearly doesn't work. I mean, we've said it before and we continue to say it again. So now they have 30 million people in 13 cities are being put into COVID lockdown in China. Uh, they're trying to wear hazmat uh, suits. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's just crazy. Um, so someone just sent me a picture of this. This is why I was being reminded of the headline today. Let me show you guys this photo because this is quite interesting. Uh, so uh, this is the worst outbreak since it started in Wuhan um, back in pretty much November, December of 2019. And so this is a situation now in China, completely out of control. Um, they just don't have a clue, which is ironic because the virus started there and they still don't have a clue. You would have thought that um, they might have been, you know, ahead of the curve, but their strict zero COVID approach doesn't work. It's not working in Hong Kong either, which is one of the few places in the world that still are holding on to this philosophy. And so um, there they are being cut off from the outside world for almost two years. And uh, now apparently the Omicron variant is what is hitting them particularly hard. So 13 of their cities have gone into lockdown as of Tuesday. That's today, folks. And several others have partial lockdowns. Uh, 15,000 infections reported nationwide in March. And um, scenes of closed neighborhoods, panic buying, police uh, cauldrons, uh, cast, what does it say? Cast back to the early phase of the pandemic. Um, so yeah, chaos in China, folks, is the headlines. 30 million people in 13 cities. Wow. They have quite a population there. Anyway, um, we'll see uh, what happens there. We'll keep an eye on that situation. And uh, folks, we did have um, Youth Parliament yesterday. I hope that you guys were able to watch some of it here on CMR. We did live stream it. Uh, our young people did a really fantastic job. Uh, I must say that um, that I was particularly proud of them. They were, um, at the time that I was listening, they were actually arguing about whether or not to um, criminalize sexual harassment. And this is a really, really important topic because like people are having to deal with this. This is a real world issue. So they've taken that real world issue and they were really debating it quite fiercely um, on both sides. Um, you know, I, I thought, mm, I don't know what arguments the opposition are going to be able to come up with because who can, who can argue against um, protection of vulnerable workers when it comes to sexual harassment? But one of the interesting things that came out of it, which I thought was a good twist, I mean, you've got it when you're, when you're arguing the opposite side of a debate, one of the, you know, if you've ever been part of a debate team, sometimes it's not really that you do not um, agree with the, um, you know, the overall tenets of the position. Like, yes, people should be protected. But one of the things that they discussed was the fact that there needs to be um, 
there needs to be a degree of understanding of how trying to implement this will impact businesses and and what the cost of making certain types of changes and how um you know how it's 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 difficult for people to kind of implement these programs in a given time frame. So maybe they're asking for like a little bit more time. And so there are arguments in relation to that. Someone also said that in the real world, it means that people are afraid of um, of doing business with like, you know, men are saying, oh, they're afraid of having meetings or um, companies that want to hire attractive women. And I thought it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to hear some of those arguments, which I'm sure they've researched on the other side of the debate. But um, nonetheless, I think by and large, they actually did a really fantastic job. So congratulations to all of our young uh, people who were involved in the youth parliament yesterday. I didn't get to catch the afternoon session because I was um, actually quite busy in the afternoon. And I do have something that I wanna tell you guys about, but I'm not gonna tell you quite yet because um, sometimes you've got to, You've got to wait people out and you've got to hold things a little bit closer to your chest. Um, but you guys are going to be really surprised. I'm waiting for a final decision. This is another potential battle with the DPP's office. And that's all I'm going to say for now. But boy, I am, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at them, but they are um, verging on the ridiculous now. Like it really is like, ugh. but um, folks, uh, even when they call you, even when the police call you and say, oh, well, we want to have a chat, take your lawyer with you. Believe me, I have learned to just take your lawyer with you. And there's so many interesting things that could potentially come out of this one if they decide um, to uh, proceed. Hmm. It's going to be interesting. And, you know, the most ironic thing is I, I, I don't have time for certain fights and battles, even legal ones. Like I really don't have time. I'm really a busy person. But at the same time, um, sometimes it is a, sometimes it is important to have these battles in order for the outcome or even the process to become public. It'll make more sense once I, once I, you know, tell you a little bit more about the facts, but let's give them an opportunity to see what it is they're going to do. But um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you have to mount a, a challenge and, you know, speaking of mounting a challenge, one thing I do want to say is um, kudos to Chantel Day, um, a Caymanian who had to, she was forced to take a position because um, her government, uh, AKA when I say her government, I mean, our government, of the day, Alden McLaughlin refused to acknowledge her correspondence, refused to do anything. Um, and, you know, it's just shocking that she was forced, her hand was forced to, to mount a legal challenge. And she's taken it all the way to the Privy Council, which is not something that you see happening um, very, very often. And, you know, I think it is important to know that beyond where you stand on this issue, on this same sex issue, the fact that people are willing to um, question and to fight the government in particular, who has limitless resources, I think that that is, um, that is an important position sometimes to have to take. Like you've gotta be 
um, the champion, not just for yourself and look at things selfishly, but you've got to understand that your fight advances the position and the fight of other people just from the perspective of the fight. Forget about what the fight is about. So, um, you know, that's important. Even, even Katina Anglin. I mean, I think that she's not going to win her case, but I think the fact that she can get you all to, to donate money to her and to raise money to try to fight the governor saying the governor has, um, has used his powers ultra virus. I think that that is a question that needs to be answered. Now, in this particular instance, I don't think she's going to be successful, but I still take my hats off to her and say, good for you. Good for you for finding the funds and the money and whatever. Although some people will say that her litigation is completely frivolous and without much merit. And the fact that she's actually given up on some of the key arguments of what she was initially trying to say um, speaks volumes to what the final outcome will be. And also speaks volumes to how her position has really been weakened and watered down to nothing. But despite that, she has she has fought um, the government, which you know has limitless funds, and they can fight you from now into infinitum. Like they can fight you all the way. Um, so um, yeah, I mean it is what it is, and uh, sometimes you've got to do that. All right, folks. So tomorrow's show, uh, please make sure that you do tune in. We do have a very very interesting show lined up for you. So tomorrow we're going to be talking about. Fuel in the Cayman Islands. So we have some folks coming from Offreg. They're going to be joining us um, on the program. So do not miss this uh, discussion, because let me assure you, you're going to you're going to definitely want to hear what what Offreg has to say. So they're coming on around eight o'clock. We have been in negotiations, uh, discussions, I should say, with some representatives from the fuel companies to see if they would uh, likewise come on the program and just share a little bit, um, you know, with us what we can expect going forward for people in the Cayman Islands. So this is quite an important um, topic because we're all going to feel the pinch of this uh, war in Ukraine halfway around the world, but fuel prices have already gone up. And so we need to know what off-reg position is what they're going to be doing, and uh, also from the position of the fuel companies, if they have anything to say on this. So we have Mr. Duke Monroe, who's the executive director of fuels um, over at Offreg. He will be joining us on tomorrow's program. So make sure you tune in. It says 7.45, but he's actually coming a little bit closer to 8 o'clock. So we'll have a half an hour just to do some open mic, dis open mic discussions, and then um, he will be joining us. So uh, thank you, Mr. Duke. And do not forget, good folks, that... Um, on the 28th of this month, that's the launch date. We are anticipating that we will be ready to go on air. That's a Monday. So get ready, folks. That's going to take this show, in my estimation, to a whole other level. Jonathan says, people from Offreg coming to the show, I can't wait to hear the lies. Ooh, la, la. Jonathan, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. But we'll see. We'll see what kind of powers they have. Some of us feel like they're impotent, that like they have no powers, but they're going to tell us what the real deal is uh, tomorrow when they join the program. So yes, thank you so much to Offreg. Uh, they will be here tomorrow morning. Folks, enjoy your day. It is Tuesday. Uh, what's today's date? The 15th? Uh, the Calisthenics Park is opening up today. So after today, you can go out there and get a little bit of um, exercise in. And um, yeah, awesome.
Good stuff. And later on this week, we should be having a discussion on multiple sclerosis as well. I'm trying to determine which day is best for that dialogue. Um, so make sure that you tune in for that also. Fabulous. You guys take care until tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the cold, hard truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.